0: On today's episode of GM Street, brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, we will discuss all the happenings of the NFL draft, everything that went on. We are also going to hit the Al Davis All-Stars of the NFL draft. We're also going to decide what Jason Witten is going to do next season. Uh, And as always, we are brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where the Ringer NBA show has you covered for the NBA playoffs. We launched a new food podcast, if you have not seen this, the Dave Chang Show. And be sure to check out theringer.com, where we have even more NFL and NBA draft coverage. Spicy NBA takes, Infinity War, and more. Now, let's get on with GM Street. Welcome to GM Street. It is Monday morning. It is almost May. Mike Lombardi, and I'm sitting across from you. It is April 30th. How it is almost
1: May. I'm great. I can't believe it's almost May already. It's almost what? summertime. Time has flown by. Wow. Absolutely.
0: I can't believe we're on the other side of the draft, and that's the whole point of this podcast today. We're going to review the NFL draft. We're going to talk about the Al Davis players, the guys that he would have <laughs> loved in this NFL draft. And we're going to talk about how the Cleveland Browns have drafted two guys in the top five of the NFL draft. They, for people that have not seen this, they go to the Cleveland Indians game. They're going to let them throw out the first pitch. They do it simultaneously, the two of them. They're not even on the mound, Mike Lombardi. And they both throw pretty bad pitches. Denzel Ward doesn't even get the ball to the plate. No. Baker Mayfield throws it high, which hopefully you know doesn't lead to some, some future things where he misses receivers high. Um, I don't know. It was a tough start for the. You would Cleveland think they would have
1: warmed up in like in the back, you know. Like you got to loosen up a little bit. There's no way you want to come out there and throw one in the dirt. I mean, that's kind of. And I saw these
0: people saying, you know, that it's baseball is totally different. You still are throwing a ball. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's look at Roger Staubach.
1: He came on that field the other day and threw that ball. I bet Roger Staubach would have. It's gotten not like he's kicking play. a soccer ball. I mean, he's throwing <laughs> a
0: baseball. It's the same thing. I, I don't know. I, I was I was getting you know hard on ourselves. Did we the Indians had,
1: the Indians had a, g- a game yesterday too? Yes. And the, and the Cavs play at the same time. Yes. Oh, downtown Cleveland was buzzing, man. It, when Baker was down there. That town was hopping. I can promise you that. They were
0: a little tight when LeBron went to the locker room and they were down. But Kevin Love saved them. Kevin uh, Love saved uh, nice well, them.
1: Yeah, there's no way that they were going to lose that game. <laughs> I mean, there was like, like Milwaukee was not going to beat Boston in game exactly. seven. There's just no way. Mm-hmm. I mean, Milwaukee didn't have – I mean – Uh, The Milwaukee's a perfect example of a team that plays like strangers. I mean, you just wonder—like they're really talented, but they have no—they're no team, you know—and they don't—they isolate. And Boston's going to beat them no matter what. But we got the big one tonight, tape raiser. It's the start. Who are you rooting? Like you're the neutral party in this. I mean
0: I think I'm I'm on both sides and getting pulled on both aw. sides, the Celtics and the Sixers, you know. But I, I do believe in the young guns. I do believe in the Sixers. I want the upset. I feel bad for Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's probably my favorite player in the playoffs so far on the on the east side of things. Right. Like he's been so great. Did but he, he goes down with the hamstring. Is he's he out? out? Yeah, he's out in game one.
1: Yeah. He look, how do you pull a hamstring as a player? As as finely conditioned as you are at this late in the season, like it, to me, this is a like soft tissue injury should never happen.
0: I realize that it, it could happen to anyone because I saw the great athlete that is Jay Cutler pull his hamstring <laughs> one time, and then I knew that anyone could pull their hamstring. Yeah, so.
1: that, oh, the Cutler that leads us right into the Miami Dolphins. Oh my gosh! Okay, let's go. Let's talk football. Take let's time. talk about
0: the draft, and let's talk about the Miami Dolphins since you brought them up. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum, the general manager there, says uh, he thinks the best years are in front of quarterback David Fales and Brock Oswald I read the, the heist.
1: I read that quote four times. I I just had to read it like four times. Like, I I know Tannenbaum is like, I know he's trying to sell. I mean, he's P.T. Barnum here selling these Mm -hmm. guys. But look, they're in serious trouble if Tannehill, who's been hurt, last year gets hurt because there's and you put the you put the heist back on the field again
0: there's no matt moore there for there's safety. no matt
1: moore there's no and then david fouls i mean like really come on seriously mike i mean the best years might be ahead of them in their career in some other occupation but not as football players I maybe mean, he's
0: getting confused with fails and foals it's a little close there maybe I, I guess i
1: don't know i mean to me i thought vegas said it perfectly when they posted the uh the the, the miami uh Win total at six. Mm-hmm. I think Vegas was not impressed with this draft. I know they got M- Mika F- uh, Fitzpatrick, good player. I know the tight end they got, Gilles- G- in the in the second round. Mm-hmm. I liked him. A lot of people were down on his toughness. I think he's a slot receiver completely, but I thought he has a chance to become a good player. I don't know whether he can – Take it to the next level in terms of his toughness. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage this quarterback. And it isn't going to be with Brock. I mean, let's be real honest. I mean, Brock's gone on the field. It's been bad. And so... I don't know what Mike's really watching. I don't know.
0: And for people that don't understand this, most people expected the Dolphins in this QB heavy draft to, to take a you know take a third round, you know, flyer on someone like what the Steelers did with Mason Rudolph. Do something like that. Uh Tannenbaum decides to stay home. Uh he gets Smythe, he gets two tight ends, Gasecki and Durham Smythe from Notre Dame. Right. Uh to get a two tight end set. You know, similar to what we saw with the New England Patriots. Yeah. No,
1: that. I mean they obviously look tight ends are invoked. It's, it's really, but you know, we again we'll talk about this till nauseum. I mean, there's certainly there like you can turn the card. In with Jaceki as a tight end, but he's not a tight end. He's an he's a slot receiver. I mm-hmm. mean, you could label him a tight end, but he's a slot. Re- and I like him, but he's just a mismatched slot receiver. So, you know, there's very few Y's on the line. Tight ends in in the in this draft. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think Miami really uh, they got to figure out something on this quarterback because they can't really convince themselves that Brock Osweiler is the backup <laughs> quarterback or David Fowles is the backup quarterback. I mean, they got to have to do something because Tannehill can't stay healthy. I think they would have done. They would have liked it. The word I was hearing all through the draft was they wanted Baker Mayfield, and they would have moved up to try to get him, but they couldn't. It's, you know, Mayfield's a fascinating guy, Tape Razor. There was so much. Dis- I mean, there was like polarizing, opposite effects on, on Baker Mayfield. Some teams really liked him. Some teams had him as a, some teams had him as a free agent. Some teams had him in the mid round. It's really going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. It's because you can't quantify heart, Mike Lombardi. You know, when I hear that, it makes me (laughs) sick. I mean, like, really, to me, I like, you're drafting heart? I mean, come Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. I want to draft talent. Like, that's the key. I want talent. And, you know, when you take a guy, and, you know, when you take a guy who's a little less in areas, like, okay, he's not the tallest guy, doesn't have the strongest arm, you know, and he gets older, all those things start to become a little bit more problematic. I mean, they don't have long – I mean, Phillip Rivers has had a long career because he was a size-speed quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger's had a long career because he's a size-speed quarterback. Eli's a size-speed quarterback. Cam Newton, size-speed. Right. Now, you could say Drew Brees, okay, fine. Drew Brees got hurt with the shoulder in San Diego. Remember, now, if we go back and look at Drew Brees' career in San Diego – he actually got beat out by Doug Flutie. Mm-hmm. He was put on the bench by Doug Flutie. Then he had a, a resurgence in like his third, fourth year. And then he became a free agent. They franchised him, he came back, hurt his shoulder, and then they had to go with Phillip Rivers. But there was a time where there was a lot of doubt about Drew Brees as a player early in his career, and it took him some time. I don't see Baker Mayfield as Drew Brees because athletically, they're not the same guy. I mean, Brees, as we talked about, I think he, you know, a- Andy Roddick or whatever the tennis player he beat in, in high school we're we're talking about a really good really good athlete. I don't see that with Baker Mayfield. To me Baker Mayfield it's it's this is a lot of pressure on him. And then the Denzel Ward picked uh, the more you analyze it, I know Greg Williams who can't wait to get quoted about everything said that he would have picked the corner over the defensive lineman too. Like what planet are we living in? That's what makes this draft fascinating is the two positions that went early in the top 4, running back and corner are especially a corner that doesn't have size, speed, a uh, size He has speed. Don't get me wrong. He has great speed. Those are
0: revolving door positions where you can put new guys in and swap them out.
1: Right, exactly. And I think it's going to be, it's interesting. Ward... Not a great tackler, doesn't have great ball skills fast. People say, well, Al Davis would have loved it. No, timeout. No, no timeout. Al Davis liked six-foot corners. Mm-hmm. He wanted tall corners. He wanted guys, that, and but he wanted fast. He would have loved the speed. 4-3-2 is nice. But he wouldn't have loved the height. Mm-hmm. And you got to have size corners. I mean, because you're going to sit there, and you're going to play against the big receivers in the National Football League, and you're going to have to handle those guys. And no matter how fast you are, if you can't out-jump them, Like, let's just say, for example, you know, he becomes an outside corner and he's got to go play against the the bigger receivers. And Mike Evans, you Mm -hmm. can't match him up on Mike Evans, no matter how fast he is. So how do you take a guy in the fourth pick overall that you're going to have to worry about where he matches up to because of his height? I think that's really where I have a problem.
0: Could it be one of those things where they're specializing and saying, hey, we need that nickel corner, we need that package, we that's need a, that guy. That's about. a hell of
1: a price to pay for that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge price. And then you look at it and you say, well, you know, w- w- he fits our scheme and all that. But at some point, he's going to have to go lock on Antonio Brown and win one-on-one. Is he going to be physical enough to do that? Can he do that at the line of scrimmage? I think that remains to be seen. People say, well, Charles, Charles Woodson, once again, size, speed, corner. Okay. Charles Woodson was a size speed corner. That's why he went in the top five. Usually you don't get undersized corners going that high. And I think that's where the problem is. You know what? Sometimes Trump's heart size and speed. Yeah, no Uh, doubt. No doubt. And you know what else Trump's heart size and speed usually aren't in the locker, uh, in the training room. mm -hmm. One thing when you're, see one thing, when you're building a thing, you can argue with, with Gettleman and we'll get to him in a second. But one thing about the Giants, their size speed program, those guys typically stay out. Now, Dorsey has always been a size-speed guy. This is what makes it remarkable, is that he went ahead against his size-speed. And he's, I'll tell you what, Dorsey, because it's John Dorsey, is really getting a really good pass on this because of the name just if I would have picked this guy, if I would have picked those two guys, they would have ran me out of town. OK, <laughs> they would have burned me in effigy. All right. There's no <laughs> doubt. If I would have picked both those guys, they would have killed me. If John Itzik would have picked both those guys, they would have killed. If Bill Belichick would have picked both those guys, there would have been there would have been the crowds would have betrayed everything about the draft. It's a lot like politics. It's about packaging. It's about political capital. It's about, can you win the, can you get the favor? Can you get the writers to back off the things? Because nobody really has studied the players hard enough. So we're going to go ahead and do it. Whereas, you know, if you don't have that political capital, if you're a guy that, you know, is a general manager or, you know, that's under a lot of heat, you know, well, you could say, well, Dorsey, you know, Dorsey drafted Eric Fisher in the first round. Mm -hmm. And I think first overall. first overall pick. If he doesn't have Andy Reed there, Eric Fisher's a blown pick. Okay. That he's not a top echelon tackle. He's not the first pick overall. And I think what John's gonna learn, what I learned as well, is you're only as good as a personnel guy as your head coach. like I was really good personnel guy when Belichick was my head coach because I could have a conversation with Bill and say, Bill, this guy fits for us in this way, and Bill would look at him and say, okay, we can develop him or we can't. Now, does this not mean we made mistakes? Absolutely, okay? The problem is when you have a coach that you're not philosophically attached to and you can have those conversations, all of a sudden, you have a bunch of other coaches involved, and they don't like a guy or they like a guy, and then all of a sudden it goes chaos. And this is going to be the first time in Dorsey's career where he's not going to have symmetry with the coaching staff. Mm. And I think that's what's going to show up here, and I think that's what's going to be a problem.
0: And that was one thing I, I didn't see brought up a lot, was that Dorsey had the number one pick before, and he did make the size and talent pick when he when he took Fisher. You know, He was taking a guy that right. had all the measurables and it looked right, and it was the safe pick for right. him to make. It doesn't go well. So now he's in the second position, and he's like, I'm not going to make that pick on, on being safe about talent and what they have naturally. I'm going to go with he talked someone to himself, with Moxie He talked Hart.
1: himself into Mayfield, and he went against it. Look, and, and, and he, right away he's back with no character guys. I mean, he takes guys that have – again, if I take, if I had taken Callaway, oh, my God, they would have killed – he'd take a bad character guy. He takes a bad character guy in the, in the fourth round. He takes one in the sixth round. He signs the offensive tackle who transferred from Texas to West Georgia as a college free agent character flags coming up all over you know now he takes those guys okay and he brings them into his locker room he's basically telling his locker room he doesn't really care about character this is who i'll accept you can say you did all the research okay and i'll just tell the story when they drafted tyreek hill Mm -hmm. in kansas city i called somebody that i knew in kansas city and said how could you do that like how and the answer back to me was well we did all the research no, no. there's no research to do. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no research to do. It was facts. There's no re- – like, it isn't like, okay, the story got changed. This really didn't happen. No, there was no research to do. You just made a decision to do this, right? And you need to own the decision. You need to own it, right? Mm-hmm. And so – but they had Andy Reid there. And they had a coach who could manage it. Now, and a culture. And a culture. What happened? The culture went to hell. They had to run, they had to run Marcus Peters the hell out of there. Their culture – that locker room last year was a disaster. And they had to fix it. And it was because of taking all these guys with less character. And mm-hmm. it's going to catch up to you. Cleveland has no culture. Mm-hmm. You bring these guys in with no culture, I just think he's asking for trouble. I, you know, To me, look, it, it's your first draft. You want all the best players. But somehow those players have to be coached and developed. I just think it's going to be a real problems.
0: And you got to think about that Chiefs locker room. As someone like Eric Berry is in that locker room, someone that has so much character and is able to build a. team. But they lose him the first but, game. But they lose him the first game, and everything changes. So if your if your argument back is, well, they got Baker Mayfield, who's going to help with the culture of the locker room. Baker can't be, you know, you can't have it all one guy's back when you're going to worry about culture. Right. And, and then everything.
1: how do you say to Josh Gordon, you're not, you know, you just drafted a guy with the mm-hmm. similar problems that Josh Gordon might have had coming out of college. And then when you take guys that have some form of arrest record, forget about testing positive at the combine. That that look. We all understand. We live in a state where marijuana is legal, so we're not judging that, okay? But there is some other issues in terms of felonies and things like that, where guys have charges brought against them, and you bring them into your locker room and you say, "Well, wait a minute, you know, now all of a sudden if something's missing in the locker room. Who's doing it? You've you got to be really careful about that." And I and I think it's a concern, and I think Cleveland has tried to cut on the edge of of the character, and I think as your first time as a general manager of a new team with a coach that you inherited, I think you're on really, really thin ice.
0: Mm-hmm. And let's talk about uh, one of those teams that does a really good job, uh, Mike Tomlin, of being able to take some characters and be able to cultivate a culture right. every single year. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, there was an interesting thing here that came out about Mason Rudolph from Kevin Colbert. He says he was with the group of the top quarterbacks in their mind. That was a really good position in this draft, very unique draft, usually doesn't come through with that nice of a group and you look at Mason Rudolph there's been a lot of people that think that he may end up being the best quarterback in this draft the Steelers wait they sit on it they get to the third round and then they take Mason Rudolph after taking his number one wide receiver this past year out of Oklahoma State James. who Washington. I love I
1: think that's going to be a great pick I think that you know they trade Martavius Bryant mm-hmm. to Oakland they replace him with James Washington I think James Washington's going to be a star if there's one thing made me feel really good about the draft is whenever the Steelers take wide receivers I always would whether I like the receiver or didn't like the receiver. I had to go back and double check because they really evaluate receivers really well. And I think you can learn from what they do. I don't, you know, I don't know what the formula is for what they do, but they do it. I liked Washington. I think he's going to be really good. The concern I have about Rudolph is, is he going to be tough enough to stay in there? Can he play fast enough when the game speeds up? Because in that Southeast Conference or the Southwest Conference, the Big 12, as we call it today, he's going to have to play different with Pittsburgh. But understanding that, look, I think what Kevin's trying to do is he had a chance to take a guy, maybe gives him a chance a year to develop and see what he has and and go from there. I don't think it's a bad pick at all. I'm not a Rudolph fan. I wouldn't have picked him, but I can understand the logic behind it, and I could be wrong, so go with it. And I think you're right. I think Pittsburgh did a nice job. They filled some of the needs. They didn't get a linebacker that they really needed Mm -hmm. in terms of their front seven, but Look, but they can handle guys in that room, and they'll coach the hell out of them because their culture is to do that.
0: And you talk about uh, they've had a Big Twelve quarterback sitting behind Big Big Ben before Landry Jones, so they've sort of they've sort of done this rodeo before.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's the other thing. Is, you know Landry Jones, could he could he have any more records at Oklahoma? I mean, you know, so you're always worried about that, and I just think it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out.
0: Uh, I want to hit some other teams, uh, some big storylines as we go through the rest of this draft. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars is the team that, yeah. is, that has come up a lot for what they've done in this draft and obviously what they did last season. They're a hot team. A lot of people are right. in on the Jaguars.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and I wasn't a fan of Brian, the defensive tackle that they picked. I thought he was a one-step explosive guy that got bounced around, and I thought he played really light inside. I didn't think he played with a lot of power and I think he's a nickel tackle and I just didn't see it now maybe with the with the blend of players that they have there he can excel. he can excel I thought and I had was told this earlier and that I thought that they would pick Lamar Jackson if he made it to him which I didn't think would happen and that was the case and they didn't which I think again they passed on Watson last year they're going to pass on Lamar Jackson even if they took Lamar to me and played them behind Bortles, and then just had a little package for him. Did you see how effective they were when they spread the field out mm-hmm. against New England in the first half and how well they looked doing that? I mean, to me, that would have made me want to take Lamar. They didn't. And then I didn't like the chart kid. And I mean, everybody talks about how fast he is. But for me, it, it, he's fast. But if you have stood in front of him, he's, he's not fast. Like, he's the fastest, slowest guy in the draft. Because if he has no free access... He's fast. If he has to alo- avoid somebody, he's really not fast. Now, look, I recognize that he's on the Al, da- Al Davis team. Mm-hmm. I understand that Al would have picked him, no doubt. Okay, <laughs> there's no doubt he mm-hmm. would have been on Al's team. Mm-hmm. Size, real fast. Remember this about Hayward Al da- Bay, Hayward Bay. It's always going to be size first, and then real speed. Now, I'm not talking about like four four four. That Al didn't consider four 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 speed. He considered four three four speed. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so he would have been on there. But to me. I don't see the guy eluding anybody. I see the guy when they, even when they run a jet sweep, he's on a track. I think he's one of the most overrated players in the draft because he runs fast, but you can't see it. You can't really see it on the tape when somebody's in the way.
0: And we should say that uh, Chark, he basically was not mu- much of a producer for the LSU team. Right. I mean, obviously, they've struggled with their quarterback there. But uh, he goes to the Senior Bowl. He has a good game at the Senior Bowl. And then his, his stock sort of rise. Well, they can't play press. Got,
1: they're not going to play press. You know, they're not going to really do a lot of press there. See, the thing I always had a problem with Tate Fraser is I, I, I really have a trouble with receivers that don't have production in college. Now, people say, well, Demarius Thomas didn't have production in college. Yeah, that was a unique case. But typically, receivers are like running backs. They just don't all of a sudden produce after not producing. Mm. They usually that's an instinctive position as well as a talent position. And you have to have some numbers to back it up. Antonio Brown had numbers at Central Michigan. There's no doubt about that, right? He had numbers there. You know, he was just overlooked speed, you know, you miss some things, you misjudge it. But I think you got to have some numbers if you're going to play, and I, I just don't see it with that guy.
0: Real Richardson is another guy they took in the fourth round, offensive tackle. That a lot of people like uh, that was a, a nice little steal in the fourth right. round.
1: Look, I, I, look, I think Jacksonville's a good team. I think they're really. I just didn't like their first two picks, and that's what I had a problem with. I know they're going to get an A. Look, who cares? You know, A's. Everybody's throwing A's or B's out now. It's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yeah, the best thing that you've said on this podcast is that everyone loves their draft.
1: No, the, the, you know what? Today, <laughs> tape fraser today is April thirtieth, uh-huh. and there's literally 32 teams had a great draft.
0: Yes, they're all calling each. No, I take that back. The
1: Patriots aren't patting themselves on the back. I know I've been in there after a draft and it's not, you know, it's (laughs) like he's reviewing the draft. Where did we go wrong? Mm. What did we do? What could we have done? You know, he's always constantly trying to learn. I mean, the draft... You really – today's the day to take a step back and analyze what you did. I really think you should film the draft, like you go back and study the moves you could have made or the trades you kind of passed up on and see how you can manipulate that. That's where I had a problem with – Where it. you can review the tape. We can review the tape. That's what, like, to me, Dave Gettleman, I know he picked Barkley, but if he would have played it out and he didn't take any phone calls for Barkley, he said he was not trading that pick. But I really would think if he traded down and say he picked Chubb or Nelson at six and got more – picks for him I can't help but thinking he'd have a better team than what he had with just Barkley and I like Hernandez in the second round but I just can't help but thinking there would add in more players would have been better
0: the only thing that gave me a red flag about uh, Gettleman's response when they were asking him about the value of taking a running back which we talked about in this program he said look at Jonathan Stewart with the Panthers, I, I blew me away. I, 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 didn't I did. Pay. I have
1: been looking at Jonathan Stewart. I do. I mean, Jonathan Stewart can't stay healthy. I
0: know. That's the that's the problem. I, mean, the I love Jonathan Stewart. Yeah.
1: Like there was no like Jonathan Stewart's exactly the kind of running back I love. He's mm-hmm. a Coke machine. Mm-hmm. He's hard to tackle. He's two hundred twenty pounds. He's fast. He's got great feet. Nobody. I was standing on a table for Jonathan Stewart. You know, but a guy gets hurt all the time. Yeah, and, and and I don't think he's had a great career. Like I he at his age now, like the chances of him getting hurt. I would say are pretty high, mm-hmm. and I, the chances of him ending up on IR for the New York Giants, I think, are pretty high. Yeah, so I, I don't really get into that. And the other thing is, for for me, is Richard Thaler, the the Nobel Prize winner uh, economist, talked about value of the of the the first picks in the draft, the top of the round, and he's just basically said how teams overvalue those picks, which is so true. We do we overvalue them because we we don't realize there's more than just one good player. Mm -hmm. And I think if I look back over my career, the mistakes you make is when you fall in love with a player. And what I think Bill Belichick has done a really good job of is he doesn't love any player. He likes clusters of players. And the same thing with Ozzie Newsom did. He just likes clusters of players. They don't love one player. Because then it allows them to maneuver the draft and benefit themselves from the draft because most of these picks, let's face it, once we got past the third round, most of these picks aren't going to help this year's team. They're for the 19 team, right? And so to me, if you don't fall in love, you'll move around and you'll add more players to your team at value. And I think that's where Dave, you know, Dave's old school, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick. I think that could have been a better draft for them.
0: Yeah, and sometimes- I
1: think it could have been a better draft for Cleveland. How about if Cleveland would have done this, Tate Frazier? It's
0: called being blinded by your
1: bias. Right. How about if Cleveland would have picked, say they would have picked Rokon Smith at one, mm-hmm. and they would have picked Bradley Chubb at four, and then they would have traded back in the first round and ended up with Lamar Jackson. Now, that to me is like, now we're going somewhere, right? And maybe at the top of the second or whatever else they'll pick they had, get another corner. Because if you have Chubb and if you have Chubb and Garrett- Coming off the edge, you really don't need that. I mean, the, the And Roquan Eagle, Roman behind him? The Eagles proved that corners don't matter. They did. You could say, well, they have great. No, the Eagles don't have great corners. The Eagles have a great defensive line and they rushed the passer. That's how they went. They turned the ball over and they rushed the passer. The Giants threw for 500, the pass for, gained 500 yards on them. The, the Patriots gained 500 yards. They had more teams gaining over 450. However, they turned the ball over and they. Strip sacks, sack the quarterback. That's how you win in the NFL. You win with the front. Jacksonville's doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, it's 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 like a shot clock almost. You know they're going to get to the quarterback. Exactly. Every single time. Let's talk about the uh, Seattle Seahawks, another team that had a very interesting draft. There were some people that were I would say shocked, and that would probably be an understatement when they took Rashad Penny in the first round uh, to get a running back. Uh, They had the Shaquem Griffin pick, which everyone was very excited about. He joins his twin brother up in Seattle. That's great. I thought it was a a great story. story.
1: It was awesome. And, you know, the kid's a good player. He's the best ten time in the draft. I mean, this isn't a guy that you're just doing a favor for him to take him with his brother. Now, I know he doesn't have the one arm. And I think that the Seattle, is, and Pete's really smart on how he utilizes the players, but the speed that he'll bring to the team and and, and rally to the football and cover, you know, I know that arm's going to be affected, but he's played with it. I mean, it isn't like he, he played at a high level. I mean, Central Florida, as we know, is one of the best schools in the country for football, you know, in terms of the talent that they have on that team. Mm-hmm. So. I, I think it's beyond a great story, but I also think Seattle didn't didn't hurt themselves by making this pick.
0: And you talk about the value of the pick to get at someone that runs a four three two and has this natural athleticism and also has a relationship with his brother on the team that is so close. Right. It seems nothing but you know, it's, it's smart for culture.
1: I, I think it is. And you know, they need to really reevaluate their culture out there. I mean, this is a team that I mean, Pete's you can almost sense from their draft a little bit that there's a little bit of anxiety out there. Mm-hmm. That they're at that point where they've lived off that one draft, that Richard Shermer draft and all that. And I think that the the players, the rah-rah, the all positive, you know, that we served Michael Bennett's comments. We listened to some of the other players' comments as they left there.
0: Started to get grumbly.
1: It started to get grumbly. And I think they need to re-change the locker room. Because remember what Pete had an advantage, and this is where I think Nick Saban's better in college than pro, is they need graduation. Mm. Like Pete needs graduation because sometimes that rah-rah stuff can wear itself out. And you need graduation from it so that players move on. And I think that's what, what he needs in Seattle. He kind of needs to reinvent the team. I don't know if this was a draft that reinvented himself. They didn't have enough weapons to do it. Mm-hmm. I think Schneider had a hard time. He's trying to manage the coach, and they picked Penny. Now, I thought it was fascinating that Schneider said they had offers for for Penny after they made the pick. Uh, maybe they did. I just I didn't see Penny that high.
0: Well, that's uh, it was very interesting just to see a running back go that high for the Seahawks, obviously trying to find the replacement for Marshawn Lynch. uh, They get Rasheem Green uh, in the third round out of USC defensive end. A lot of people are are high on for his natural ability. I I
1: liked him. I thought he was a good pick. I mean, the more, to me, I, I I think the one thing Seattle has an advantage of, and sometimes I think they lose their roadmap, is Pete knows who he is. Mm -hmm. And I think they can get back if they go back to that plan. And that's why they had such a great draft when they did the Sherman draft. They know who they are, and they fit those needs. And I think that's what they have to get back to.
0: All right, Lombardi, we're going to get to our much-anticipated Al Davis All-Stars. But first, the Zip Recruiter smartest move of the week. This is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And we're going to throw it out there: the New England Patriots made a move late in the draft that you fell in love with—a man from Raleigh, North Carolina, Braxton Berrios, out of the university that you already know, Miami Hurricanes.
1: Yeah, I thought you know, look, you watch this guy play, and you're saying, "Wait a minute, this is Wes Walker. Wait a minute, this is Dan Hammondola. Wait a minute, this is this could be Julian Ellis, classic
0: New England Patriots,
1: play. classic New England Patriot. Now he's got to get stronger. You know, he's like 189. He's got to get fizz- more physical, but he can return punts. He's got great hands. He's going to be inside the slot receiver. He shows enough toughness, I thought it was a great pick. I mean, to me, it's the perfect fit for what they want to do. Mm-hmm. They want to put him in there. He has enough time to develop. He'll, if he's smart, which I think this kid is, he'll just start following Julian Edelman around everywhere <laughs> he goes and just do everything Julian Edelman does and learn how to be a good player. And I think he can be. I mean, this was not like, this was a kid who's a top recruit coming out of high school yeah. now. I mean, so it isn't like this kid just all of a sudden, he didn't, he didn't really shine initially in Miami. And he did when they got him in that slot. I, I thought it was a great pick. <laughs> I think it's gonna be funny. I think the Dolphins picked like right before him. Mm-hmm. It's got that pick the Dolphins picked before this kid better be really good because they're gonna get they're gonna get compared to this guy the whole time. Well
0: now they have Amandola at the end of his career, so I think they're gonna be all right. Yeah. Right. Uh we should say you talk about production with receiver receivers. He led the hurricanes in receptions, fifty five receiving yards, six seventy nine, and touchdowns nine last
1: season. So. Yeah, see that to me is what yeah, I know you can't grade production, but you gotta have talent that has you can't be talented as an athlete with no production at receiver. I just don't think that. Works. I don't see when it ever has.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was the smartest move of the week, and it was brought to you by ZipRecruiter. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter find a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Try it free today at ziprecruiter.com slash ringer NFL. That's ziprecruiter.com slash ringer NFL. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Well, let's get to what everyone's been waiting on, and it's the whole point of this podcast, and that is to go through this draft and try to track down some of the players that the great Al Davis would have locked right. in on and wanted to draft to the Oakland Raiders. Well, we were, I, I shouldn't even say the Oakland Raiders, just the Raiders.
1: Well, look, I mean, look, Al was the king of... So you have to understand Al was influenced by... Al Davis was influenced by the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Yankees. And the reason he was influenced by those is... Two he, great programs. Two great programs. So he believed in the speed of the Dodgers and the power of the Yankees. And so he wanted a size-speed team. I mean, he was truly the king of size-speed. He would have liked – would he have liked Jackson from LSU, the corner, because he's fast? Oh, Dante there's no Jackson, doubt. Yep. There's no doubt. But he would have – like, he wanted big corners. He did not want to be down on the goal line. He's
0: 5'11", so he's right under the line.
1: Right. It's all about the size and the speed. You know, now, I mean, Carlos Francis was short. and He took him, but he was really fast. So as the, as the value of the draft goes – you know, you, you lose size, speed, guys. But I mean, Chark would have been a, a clearly a number one guy. If mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson would have run, Lamar Jackson would have been a guy. Because Lamar Jackson at four, four something at quarterback, that would have been way too much with his size and his production. That would have been way too much. The other thing I think that people misconstrue on with Al is like he likes all these bad character guys. That really wasn't what Al was was about. Al was always concerned about character. What didn't bother him was he didn't want to hear that the player wasn't smart. He didn't want to hear that because he felt like the coaches were teachers and they should teach him how to learn how to play. And he didn't want to hear that the guy wouldn't be able to play, the guy wasn't motivated to play if he saw him play. So, like, there's a little bit of a fine line here. Like, it, well, he wasn't going to take bad character guys, but he would take guys that had some learning issues where perhaps were kind of not always highly motivated. So when you look at it, like, I think Malik Jefferson would have been a guy he takes. Mm-hmm. Easy. Josh Sweat would have been the poster child for what he would have wanted. He would have absolutely traded back into the draft to get him, even though the medical might have been bad on him. He'd have found a way to make sure he picked him. So those are the two guys that I see that jump out to me.
0: What about a guy like Lorenzo Carter out of Georgia? Runs a four five. To, is he is he on the board? Oh, Favorite or, or is he stock and average?
1: No, no, he's on the board. He's got size. It's all size and speed. It's all those guys, that everything should be through the draft is size and speed. And so when he gets later in the round, you know, he wants, be, he wants to be the team that comes off the bus that looks the best. Mm-hmm. And when you come off the bus with Malik Jefferson who can run, you come off the bus with DJ Chark who can fly and he's got size. I don't like the player. And this is where you always get an argument with Al is because instincts always never was part of Al's re- requirement. So you would take guys that didn't have great instincts and try to make them into players. And so like, like Sweat's a really good player. But he's got this injury history. He didn't lack instincts. He would have gone early in the draft. I think the Eagles got a hell of a player with him. And Jefferson has – the thing with Jefferson was, well, he had some trouble calling the defense, getting everything set, whether it was all the ability to learn, the new coaching staff – I think the reality with him is he was too productive and he did have instincts.
0: One guy I want to throw out there that's really interesting. He ends up going to the Steelers late in the draft, but Jalen Samuels at NC State. He's like this hybrid position, but he right. runs like a, a 4 4 five, something like that. He plays tight end. He's probably going to be in the slot for a lot of teams. Could be playing running back, fullback, whatever it is. Is that a guy that out Oh, There's
1: no doubt. And that they, they ran reverses with him. Oh, they, mean, they just they, got him the ball. They put the game away mm-hmm. against Florida State when he ran the ball late. I mean, they, they did some things with him. I thought he was great. I, yeah, those are the kind of guys. Right. And then like he would have wanted to make that guy into, especially if his speed will make him a tight end Mm -hmm. or the big receiver that can't really run will make him a tight end. He was great. I mean, that's remember Todd Christensen was a running back. They made him a tight end because he could run. So those big guys like Gusecki, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Is it Gusecki? Gusecki. Okay. I mean, you know, he can run, but he didn't have rare speed he didn't have Vernon Davis time but I think he certainly would have been a guy that he would have been appealing to because of the size I
0: do have one question about one guy that we had rated as the top pick and that's Bradley Chubb I mean he he's not doing anything that's wowing you running a four five or whatever it's defensive end position but he does check all the other boxes right. as far as you know speed athleticism whatever it is Bradley
1: Chubb is a, is, a, is an interesting player because Bradley Chubb doesn't wow you with flash plays he wows you with consistent plays mm-hmm. he's just a consistent player and it he's a good stops. player and never stops and it keeps going and we know this about defensive linemen the more you're motivated, Runs, the better player you'll become, and so I think that you know, even though he didn't wow anybody with flash plays, and I think that's why he kind of like, oh, he doesn't have flash But when you when the when the day's over with, he's got a lot of production.
0: I just want to look at that Raiders draft a little bit and just see if they drafted anyone that probably would have come off the board if Al was calling the shots. I mean, the only people that really step out to me or jump out to me, what I would say was Brandon Parker, six eight, out of North Carolina T. Right. That's the guy that had taken the third round. You see, what was his forty time though? I think it's. Let's see here.
1: See, I believed that offensive linemen had a run too. Al was not taking an offense. like he would have not taken Orlando Brown at five five six. Like that would have been the guy would have been off the board. There's no way. He believed all the offensive linemen. Like Colton Miller, he ran well. So he would have taken him. Five four forty. Yeah. See that that he not would not happen. It wasn't gonna happen. He's not going to – his feet are too slow. The feet are too slow. That they can't move. You know, no, no, we can't take that guy. And what, what he was really good at, what, I, what, what what, he was really good at was being able to watch a defensive lineman, and that's why foot speed is so important for defensive linemen in this sense, is when it's run – Okay, a defensive lineman that's like slower, like Taylor Stalworth from South Carolina didn't get drafted. Okay, mm-hmm. he's a really good power player, but he can't really run. So what the problem is when it goes from run to pass, so it's play action, you have to have really good feet to convert into a pass rush. And when you have slow feet like run 5-2, that's why he didn't like those defensive linemen because they can't convert run to pass. Mm-hmm. Okay, they can't convert the play and the run to the pass and then get some pass pressure. And that's all shows up on the 40 time. And so I, I think that, so a 5 4 4 for an offensive lineman, no, no chance.
0: We have the Baltimore Ravens. So it's Ozzie Newsom's last draft. Yeah. Um, you know, he he was getting uh, reprimanded pretty early when he takes Hayden Hurst at 25, the 25 year old tight end out of South Carolina. Some people were very upset at that point that were Ravens fans. What are we doing here? But he trades back into the first round, takes Lamar Jackson. And from there, it seems like Ozzie Newsom's getting all rave reviews from him. Everyone. Yeah, I think
1: you know. Look, a, a, and I think that their room they did a really good job. Again, Ozzie doesn't fall in love with any player, so he maneuvered the draft pretty well. Kind of moved around, got himself some extra ammunition, and came back into the first round and got himself what I think is the might be the best quarterback in the draft. We'll see. You know, the the Patriots picked this, the the second the uh, Sonny Michelle. He might be the the best the second best running back in the draft. And the, it's kind of interesting how the bottom of the draft matched the top of the draft. So I think Ozzie did a great job. Look, Ozzie was very good, and I and I and I texted Ozzie. Congratulations, because we go back a long way with Ozzie came upstairs from being from downstairs being a player and he came upstairs and he had no idea really what was going on upstairs. You know, players really don't know really what goes on behind the scenes and all that. And he kind of was like, wow, this is something I never expected. But what I really admired about Ozzy was his ability to he worked hard. He wanted to learn the profession. He didn't want to just somebody give him the G he wanted to learn it. And he scouted and he watched it. He wrote reports. I mean, when we were together in Cleveland, he wrote the reports. He would write all the off the receivers and the tight ends. So we would have a meeting. Uh we're getting ready to play a game on on Sunday. So Monday's scouting report meeting, Ozzy would write all the offense, the the tight ends and the receivers. He would write them up. And then, you know, I would write up the, the offensive defense, you know, we would all write them up together and then we would go in and present them to the coaching staff. So he learned how to write reports. Whereas, you know, I was talking to a guy driving over here this morning, guy, you know, is a vice president of player personnel, they can't find his reports from the system. Like, like if you don't write a report, how can you be a personnel guy? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because what you're trying to do then is you're just trying to make sure you're right all the time. Like, to me, you should go through and find out where you made the mistakes from writing the report and then learn how to write reports better. And that's why I think Ozzy did a great job. And then he, did, he also understands that the difference between player A and player B is so small – that I might as well trade back and get more picks and hopefully hit more. He really believes the Richard Thaler movement of more picks is going to be beneficial.
0: And if you look at their picks that they made in this draft, I mean, one that really tugged some heartstrings and a guy that kind of fell from being potentially a top five pick. You talk about mock drafts from last season, Orlando Brown, um, obviously Orlando Brown senior, we all know uh, from Oklahoma, they draft him in the yeah, third round.
1: That's a great, you know, look, his dad, we beat worldwide wrestling for his dad. Mm-hmm. We paid him a hundred, dollar bonus, got him to come in there. Uh, And it's great. He's going to go play right tackle for the Ravens. And, you know, maybe they can get his foot speed going. He's a little bit of a leaner, but he's a big, powerful man. Even though he didn't bench press very much, he's got a lot of hip thrust. And I'm happy for the kid to go back and play where his dad did. His dad started in Cleveland. I still has his dad jersey. So, I I mean, I'm happy for that. And it's a good pick. Look, the Ravens, I think, have a chance to turn this thing around. I'll say this, is when they get to practice and those players see Lamar Jackson's speed and his arm, watch out.
0: They're going to be pretty happy with that. Uh, another guy they got from Oklahoma right after Orlando Brown, Mark Andrews, a Mackey Award winner. They tight were determined.
1: End. They were determined to fix the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, so again, now they
0: have two. They have Hurst and they. Have and the and I think
1: Hurst can do a little bit more on the line of scrimmage than Andrews. I mean, Andrews really is. Again, they have more slot receivers. I, I think they were determined to fix this, and, and I think this is what's going to help them, and maybe that'll help Flacco because when Owen Daniel was going good for them, that's when Flacco had his best season.
0: Absolutely. And now uh, let's talk about this whole Jason Witten situation uh, that we have going on here. So Jason Witten, the tight end, the Hall of Fame, first ballot, most likely tight end out of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he decides and talks to Jerry Jones and decides that he wants to go into the Monday night football booth. Everyone's very excited for him. You know, first we got Tony to go. Now we get Jason Witten. But now uh, he's apparently mulling uh, non-ESPN offers and, and looking around to see what, what what's out there for him. So J- this whole Jason Witten saga is, is basically the biggest storyline coming out of Dallas and has nothing to do with football.
1: Well, I think when, you, when you're when you not sure you want to play, when you're thinking about something else, then you should not play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really requires your full commitment. And I, I have nothing but great respect for Jason Witten. from Jay
0: Cutler last exactly. year. Exactly.
1: I mean, to me, here's the situation you're in. If you turn down Monday Night Football, they're going to fill that spot with somebody. I'm not sure who, but they're going to fill it with somebody, and you're not getting that spot next year when you're not playing. So you'd rather be a year early than a year late, right? And mm-hmm. then, okay, so you say, well, I don't really want Monday Night. I'll take the Fox Sun. I'll take the number two role at Fox, and maybe I'll eventually. But that job is going to be there next year when you retire anyway. The Troy Aikman job. The Troy Aikman job or some job. I mean, I don't know what one's going to be there, but it could be there. So, like, for me, if you really want to be in television, you should just go on TV. And Jerry had to know this. I mean, the the Cowboys must not self-scout because finally they saw Dez as not being a star. They should have seen it in February. And Jason's at the end of his career. I mean, Jason's having a hard time getting open against anybody. I mean— they should make the move for Jason.
0: And we should say this is not something where Jerry Jones is coming out and saying we want Jason to stay. He seemed like he got the news and went away with it. But it's the clapper. It's Jason Garrett who is actively trying to persuade Jason Witten to play in his 16th season.
1: I, I don't get it. Well, I mean, I don't understand it. I guess I, you said, I mean if you want to keep your job,
0: I guess you're saying we need you in the he locker room. He wants continuity. And yeah. I think
1: the Cowboys' approach this year, this offseason is basically they're going to give Jason Garrett, the clapper, all the rope he can have to hang himself. And they're going to see if he can do it or not. Because to me, when you watch their tape, they were not good enough in terms of what their skill position. And then the funniest thing I thought this week, this week tape, Fraser, you know, you sit there and the draft took way too long. I mean, (laughs) it took way too long. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. 45 million people watched the draft, but it took too long. Uh, The thing I thought that was hilarious was when the Cowboys said they traded for Tavon Austin and he'll fill the Lance Dunbar role. Okay. Well, Lance, the reason the Rams signed Lance Dunbar is because Tavon Austin couldn't fill that role, <laughs> okay? So, it goes back the other way. Like, you mm-hmm. just you just traded for a guy that couldn't, they had to sign Lance Dunbar. I mean, the Rams, God bless them. They did everything in their power to try to make Tavon Austin a player. Everything. God bless. They did. I mean, they were- They paid they, him. They tried they to put paid him in the system. Yeah. They tried to pay him in the slot. They tried to give him the ball. I mean, Sean McVay did everything in his power to, to give him that opportunity and- He can't do it. Like, he can't do it. Mm -hmm. Like, the guy's not – the guy is a play – a play, a run a play guy, he's not an offensive player. It's going to be interesting to see what the Clapper does with him. Yeah. I can't wait to watch this. He was
0: more like Noel Devine than we all thought. Yeah. Uh, we should say, the Cowboys have Terrence William, who is recovering from foot surgery. They have Cole Beasley, and they have Noah Brown that are returning to the roster. They do not have Dez anymore. And, and they don't
1: have Ryan Switzer anymore. That's got, what I was going
0: to say. The one person they did have that they draft last year that maybe could say Tavon doesn't work out, at least you have someone in the system already. They trade Ryan Switzer to the Raiders. So uh, Tavon, they need Tavon to be good.
1: Yeah, and it's funny you said that they trade him to the Raiders. The Raiders, to me there's a lot of reports that the Raiders are going to make some changes with their front office and all that. But, look, I don't know what's going on with the Raiders. I don't have any inside information. But this I will tell you, just from the – the Raiders coaches are running the draft, okay? Like, the, the trades that are made – the players that are coming in rich besacchi's you know he knows ryan i mean all these things that are being done are being done by the coaches so the, whatever it's the raiders, john gruden's
0: world we're just living right in
1: it. whatever the raiders do in the front office is insignificant because there's really the raiders coaches are they're no different than the cincinnati bengals mm-hmm. they're going to run it from the coaching standpoint and so be it that's the way life is
0: and the final thing let's talk about the projected win totals that came out from vegas for all 32 teams your New England Patriots yeah. uh 11 wins they're number 1 uh the defending champions of Philadelphia Eagles are 10 and a half Pittsburgh Steelers who had a good draft 10 and a half and then right there on the 10 line uh the double digit win line is the Green Bay Packers at 10 and the Minnesota Vikings at That's 10 it's interesting
1: the Packers are at 10 i mean that you know considering that you know people are a little worried about what they did in the offseason and all that i think this is more of a reflection to me i these stupid grades after the draft are ridiculous mm-hmm. right cuz half the people that are grading the draft once you get past the second round, they don't even know who the players are, right? Yeah, like They don't even know who the players are. They haven't watched them. They sure as hell haven't studied them.
0: J.K. Scott's probably the most famous player they saw after the third round. They just saw him in the national championship every year.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, this to me is an indication of of this is the grades of the Mm offseason. Like, if you're in Miami and and Vegas sees you at six wins, Vegas didn't think you had a very good offseason. And the other thing Vegas doesn't think, you have a quarterback. That's another thing that this is all about. This is about your quarterback. What's Jacksonville? On there.
0: They are nine. They're right below. So at the nine line, we have the Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Los Angeles Chargers, and Jimmy G's San Francisco 49ers. Wow. Wow.
1: See, that's all that to me. Vegas is posting this is all about the quarterback. They're mm. evaluating the quarterback. All
0: those teams have quarterbacks other than Jacksonville, who has a defensive right. base with the
1: quarterback. Right. And so they're going to pump it up. So they're that, that like if if Blake would have been really, it would have been interesting to see. <laughs> I would have liked to know this. If, Jacksonville would have drafted Lamar. What would their win total have been? Would it have been 10, 11, 10 and a half? Would they have gone up one? I mean, that's the fascinating thing. Like, I keep saying to you, like, people want to talk about the Browns draft. Well, the Browns draft are they have a one and a four. Package those two players and try to trade for them and see if you can get a player for them. Like, at, at, did they meet the value? No, I don't think they did. I don't think they, I don't, you, you can pull all the points. I don't think they did. The reality here, what's Cleveland's win total? <sighs>
0: Well, the Cleveland Browns, as you know, they're used to. They're at the bottom of the list. They have five and a half win total as a the projection. They are also tied with the Arizona Cardinals. Josh Rosen's new team with five and a half wins.
1: Well, I, I, you know, it's funny. Again, once again, it's all about the quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. So Vegas doesn't buy Tyrod Taylor. Vegas doesn't they buy Sam, Sam Bradford. Bradford. Vegas mm-hmm. don't buy Mike Glennon, and they don't know what to make of Josh Rosen. So you or know, or Baker Mayfield, or Baker Mayfield. So you know, to me, this is it. What else? For you? Give me some other ones here. Uh, So
0: we're right before... Uh, What's Chicago? Chicago is right in the midst of uh, being relevant there. They're 6.5, and, and they are right beside the Buffalo Bills, who are also 6.5, which I thought was pretty interesting. The Indianapolis Colts are 6.5, and, and the Big G New York Giants are 6.5. Wow.
1: The so Giants that, at six and a half with with as much as we heard about how, how great Eli, Eli. is. <laughs> yes.
0: But they're basically saying they don't have a quarterback. They're saying
1: they don't have a quarterback. Like, to me, this is what this list is about. Mm-hmm. The, this win total is about what they think of your quarterback, what Vegas thinks of your quarterback, because the quarterback determines the line. Let's be honest. People like we have these schedule shows, right, Tate Frazier? Mm-hmm. Oh, we got to have a schedule show. We're going to announce the schedule and everybody break the schedule down, right? Oh, we're going to break the schedule down. Well, just hypothetically, say you're playing New England in week five on a Monday night, right? Oh, my God, it's going to be a tough game. Say Brady's hurt and he's not playing week five. You're playing Brian Hoyer. Say, is that a tough game all of a sudden? Yeah, no. it's going to be a hard game, but it ain't going to be the same game, right? You know? And so, like, tell me who the quarterback is. Like, don't give me the schedule show, give me the quarterback schedule. Like, fill in who you're, what quarterbacks you're playing.
0: Yeah, and I I would find it interesting at the eight line, which is the eight and eight record. You have the Tennessee Titans, which is there. So I guess they think Mariota has done enough to prove himself to be there. The Seahawks, we obviously know they have Russell Wilson, but they don't have an offensive line they can depend on. The Oakland Raiders, who have Carr, but they have a lot of personnel decisions to be made. It's
1: interesting they didn't give John Gruden more than eight. It's interesting that, like, to me, that's again, this is coaches and quarterbacks here, Mm -hmm. too, right? I mean, so it's like they didn't. It's fascinating how they do that because there's no way. That the guys in Vegas are sitting there evaluating the seventh-round pick and thinking that's going to skew the balance. This this is all about quarterbacks and coaches and what they think. What are the Ravens?
0: Uh, the Ravens are eight. They're also there, and the Detroit Lions are also eight. Yeah. So, so you talk about it. I mean, you got Stafford and you got Flacco, two guys that have been in the league, two guys that have won. Right. Um, Flacco obviously winning a Super Bowl, but they're also you know right on the line of being you know a little irrelevant, missing the playoffs. Right. Um, and then right above that, I thought it was interesting too. We have the Kansas City Chiefs at eight and a half, the Houston Te- Texans at eight and a half, and the Dallas
1: Cowboys at eight and a half. Wow. Well, they like Dak Prescott. I mean, they do, and they like Deshaun Watson. Clearly, they do, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and
0: Pat Mahomes, which I th- that's what I find interesting too, yeah. really, to have Dak and Deshaun, which I think most people agree right. on, right? And are, then have Pat Mahomes, and then and Mahomes who didn't post an eight
1: and a half. Because look, let's face it, Kansas City last year on defense was terrible. Mm-hmm. So it isn't like Vegas can say, "Well, they got this like Jacksonville, they got this great defense, so we're gonna ride with them."
0: And when the offense faltered, Kansas City fell apart.
1: Was Kansas City fell story. apart? I mean, they, you, they couldn't outscore you, you. know that defense couldn't. You know, we know their problems they had on defense. So that, I think that's fascinating. They like Pat Mahomes. They like what they're doing in the Mm offseason. So, you know, and like to me, if you have this low thing, like you're Miami and you're at six and you don't have a quarterback – you better try to figure out something.
0: Yep, absolutely. And uh, we talked about Mike Tannenbaum's decision there to not draft a quarterback. But they're, young. they're, but they're best, young.
1: Their best years are ahead of them.
0: Yes, absolutely. Did he?
1: You think he watched B- Block Osweiler? Do you think he watched the Heist play? <laughs> I thought you were going to
0: ask if he watched Braxton Berrios. I was like, he should have. I mean. nah, no, <laughs> no.
1: Nah. He, he, he's the king of drafting receivers. You know, he uh-huh. loves to draft receivers more than anybody in the human on the world. Does. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, but we remember Stephen Hill. I, I mean, yeah. God. Out of the triple option. Yeah, I mean, the best thing the Patriots have right there. (laughs) Don't foul them out. Just don't foul them out. (laughs) Just don't foul them out. It's the best thing the Patriots have going. Oh, uh,
0: that's good. Uh, anything else? This is our our final draft recap. We're gonna go. Uh, we'll be back next week. Just to talk about some, you know, some no- random. Keep going through. No, the I,
1: th- I think this is. You know, look, the draft is about. People have to put the draft in two perspectives here. The the draft, the first couple picks are always for this year's team, and hopefully you can integrate them in there and they can stay healthy. But most of this draft is about the 2019 team. And I think the other thing is May is about trying to improve your team. I think the Eagles proved that. The Eagles were persistent with adding to their roster from the trades they made before the opening of the season. Give Howie Roseman credit. I mean, the guy made a bunch of trades. He added players to his team. He kept in free agency. He wasn't happy with his team all the way through, including tip to the trading deadline when he for, trades for a guy So, where I would say is, like, to me, after you've pat yourself on the back and you've had the greatest draft in the history of drafts, right? You need to figure out really what your team is and try to add some players to your team. Where is Des Bryant going to end up? Do you think he can help you? Can he come in and do that? I I wouldn't be in the Des Bryant company because I think it's it's not worth it because it's going to be hard for him to learn. But you have to look at your team now and add pieces. And I and Al Davis used to say this all the time: you're about ten moves away after the draft, from really having a good team. He always wanted to go in the draft with a team completely put together. So if he felt like he could play the game that day of the draft, he wanted to be able to play the game that day. We had, whether we're
0: just getting better. we're, getting, we're Then he was going to try to add better. pieces yep.
1: to get better and then try to get better. And I think this is out early before he just absolutely fell in love, but that's really what you have to do is the Patriots could have gone into the game and played a game on draft day. You know, maybe Garcia wouldn't have been great at left tackle. Maybe Ladario Waddell wasn't going to be, but they could have played a game on draft day. Now they add pieces to it. And now they got to add more pieces to those pieces. And that's how you keep going. And I think the teams that are never satisfied with the draft after they're done are always going to have the better drafts.
0: After you choose wisely, you have to move wisely.
1: You do. You really do. You can't fall in love just because you picked them. You got to be honest with yourself. And you know, all the talk's going to be Cleveland's happy with all their picks. I mean, everybody's going to be there. Everyone's happy. You know, like Chubb, for example. We didn't talk about this. I love Chubb. Okay. Mm -hmm. I do. I like Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, yeah. I do. I love Nick Chubb. I think he's a really good player. I have a hard time watching Nick Chubb play. Out a shotgun as the offset back. I don't think Nick Chubb's really good in that role. I think Nick Chubb is a better eye deep tailback. So, like, how does this all fit? Like, that's what you're trying to do in May is figuring out how all these pieces fit. Does Nick? Can Nick Chubb be a guy from the? I don't think that's his thing. I don't. I think it happens. That would too, be Sony Michelle's thing. That's exactly right. I think it happens too quick for Chubb. I think Chubb needs a little bit more time to do it. And then the other thing you can do is most good teams will start looking at the boards and saying, okay, they drafted two tackles. Who could they have available? Who could we get? And start trying to improve their roster. I think that's the good teams that make the moves.
0: Well, we'll see what happens when we'll keep up with all the moves and the many moves that happened this offseason here on GM Street. This has been GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Tate Fraser. Thank you, Michael Lombardi.
1: We'll see you next week. Take